it's going to happen. Yeah, just hang on. Fasten your seatbelts. We're, uh, we're going for this. Oh, thank you. We're going for it. So, Father, 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 just come very graciously now and just for me to be able to just share what you have through me. In Jesus' name, I trust you. Open our hearts, open our ears. Um, Creating is just a response of obedience in Jesus' name. Apostle Paul writes to the Thessalonians, chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9 and following. Now about brotherly love, we don't need to write you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all the brethren throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers, to do so more and more. Would you say those words with me? More and more. More and more. Let's say them again. More and more. This is the trend for every believer. An increasing trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and a growing love toward one another. This is very clear as he uh, would open his uh, letter, the second Thessalonian letter. He would say in chapter 1, uh, verse 3, We ought always to thank God for you, brethren, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. How clear is that? It really takes an increasing trust in Jesus to have a growing love for one another. <laughs> love is um, love puts a demand on us, and uh, I, I want to uh, just look at a passage of scripture I, again. I have been gripped by what I what I perceive as the going forward message of Jesus, the last hours he had with his disciples before he went to the cross. It was uh, that special evening that they had gathered together and. Um, as you know, that night, uh, Jesus, um, Jesus laid aside his outer clothing. In the Greek, it's the word tethame. Tethame won't mean anything to you, but I feel like I just need to point it out because it's used. Uh, he tethamed his outer clothing and put a towel around himself and he washed his disciples' feet. Now we know that he said, do you know what I've done? Do you get it? You call me Lord and Master. You're, that's right. But if I've done this, you'll be blessed if you do this. So it's, um, it's this laying aside, this tethame, that really speaks to me. And this is how John chapter 13 opens for us. And then he goes on and this is loaded with incredible instruction for them going forward, and we know that as he's uh, already introduced the new covenant in his blood, he now gives them the new commandment. A new command I give you, John 13, 34, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all people will know you're my disciples if you love one another. And so 
we see uh, this happening and it goes on through chapter 14 and then into 15 and it, it's interesting how many times I don't know about for you but for me it's easy to separate this up into segments rather than taking John 13, 14, 15, 16 as the message and John 17 as the prayer that he prays to the Father it's kind of easy to segment it out well probably 49 years ago almost 50 years ago I, as I was doing my personal study early in the Jesus movement, I came across John chapter 15. And I was absolutely gripped with the promise and the possibility of what I saw in those first eight verses. It's, you know, we're, we're familiar with it, but let's turn there because it's going to be where we take a bit of time today. Uh, but John chapter 15. You know that he begins by saying, I'm the vine, You're, my father is the gardener, cuts off every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it so that it will be even more fruitful. And then he goes on and he begins to say, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. In fact, this word remain, abide, or meno, uh, in the Greek, uh, is used, I think it's used uh, 12 times in this context right there. Meno, it means to remain, to abide, to continue in. And uh, that word will become key. But I, I remember reading the first eight verses and saying, Lord, I want fruit. I want more fruit. I want much fruit. I want fruit that remains to your glory. And for about six months, every day, I read through those first eight verses and prayed and said, God, whatever this takes, whatever this looks like, I want to abide in you because there will be no fruitfulness without it. Without you, I can do nothing. Arguments over. I must abide in you. And so I live in California and we have a lot of uh, vineyards in California. And they don't, not so many, there's many more now than there was uh, 50 years ago uh, in our region. But I would stop, when I was in Central California particularly, I would stop where there would be these massive grain, these massive uh, vineyards. And I would stop and look at the vines and the branches and I would say, Lord, whatever it takes, whatever it looks like for this branch to be in that vine, whatever that looks like for me, Please do this in me. Show me anything I need to see. And I would look and pray over the vines and, and the branches and just marvel and say, how does it look? I mean, Lord, if you have to just like pick me up and take my feet and put them in you, whatever this is, please do it. Because it's I have to have this. So God's been working on this message now for about 48 years for me. <laughs> because it was really recently in this journey that I realized I'd always stopped in verse 8. But the word meno and the message continues on from verse 8 into verse 9, chapter 15, verse 9, and following. And it was there I realized that the Lord was actually saying, okay, here is how I'm going to put you in me. And you're going to abide in me. I'm going to give you the plan. 
I'm going to show you. Now, this, this is, I'm, I'm going to start in verse 9 and just read. I happen to be reading from the NIV. Uh, but I'm going to take this and just uh, read from it for a little bit. He's just been talking about the vine and the branches. And now he says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I've obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything I've learned from my Father, I've made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Oh, what a powerful scripture. But now... It was beginning to be combined with the whole thing because that word, meno, abide, remain, continue in, continues to be used by Jesus. And he's going somewhere with this. And uh, that's just what I want to talk about for a couple of minutes. And we've already looked at the context of where this was. They've celebrated the historic Passover. He's announced the new covenant, washed his disciples' feet. It's giving them his final message and... In it, he has this new commandment. Jesus has shown them, he says, the full extent of his love. And that's when he lays aside his outer garment, takes a towel, girds himself, and begins to minister to them. Um, To lay aside, that's going to become key to us. Uh, I think, or at least it is to me, and I want to share it with you. I want to go back through now in John chapter 15, verse 9. I want to make a couple of clarifications in this. Because in just a few moments, we're going to read through this again. And I believe the Holy Spirit is going to do something for all of us today that is life-changing. Hallelujah. He is going to show us very practically... I mean, we are all tired people here today. I mean, we are. We are. I don't know if you feel it, but, you know, there's an excel, something God's been doing, but we're, we've been pressing in. I believe the Lord wants to take something and impart it to us right here that makes a difference literally for the rest of our life. I would, I would typically call this little segment of teaching my new address. Say it with me. My new address. And it's very specific, and here we go. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Notice the direction of the flow. It's from the heavenlies and the Father down to the Son, and now out of the Son to us. As the Father has loved me, this is absolutely key for this season of God's work in his church and in his one new man. We have to receive what comes from above so it can flow out here. So that what is in heaven can come on earth and it can begin to be released through us to one another. 
As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. It's that word meno, and it means to abide or to continue in different translations. But it's used actually 16 times in this passage. And it means to stay in a given place. It means your abode. It's where you live, where you dwell, where you stay. I would call it my new address. <laughs> my new address. Listen to what it sounds like when we translate it like this. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now make my love your home. You say that phrase with me. Now make my love your home. Friends, this is one of the most profound invitations that I have ever received as a believer. It's like being given an invitation by a dear friend who loves you so much. And you've lived in the trailer park of Christianity. <laughs> and they live in a prestigious, beautiful mansion. And they say, you know what, I, I love you so much. I actually, my wife and I have been talking about it. We've, we've agreed that you need to move in with us. You need to move in. We have the places all made for you. It's awesome. It, it, it's especially for you. It's, it's an awesome place. Um, you have an invitation. And we, would, we, we might respond by saying, oh, can I, wow, what's, what's the address? Get the address. Oh, I, I see. See, let me drive by there. Let me drive by. Let me take a peek down the driveway and look at it. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, what a beautiful spot. Oh, everything about it is so beautiful. That's that's great. And we could even share it with a friend. Say, guess what? I, I some friends gave me this invitation to go, you know, stay with them, to make my home the beautiful place they have. You know, it's, isn't that great that they gave me that invitation? Isn't that awesome? <laughs> it's so good. I'm going to actually put the invitation up um, in a special place on the wall of my trailer. <laughs> so special. Such a wonderful invitation. No, 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 no. Do you hear what Jesus is saying? As the Father has loved me, how much did the Father love the Son? As the Father has loved me, that's how I've loved you. Now make my love your home. What if we were to suddenly wake up to that as believers and say, oh my goodness. He's not just called me to drive by and look down the driveway. He's actually called me to come home, come over for an evening and have coffee. And then go back to my trailer. I, I don't really deserve here. I mean, I, I'm pretty comfortable. I, I kind of know the ropes around the park <laughs> where I live. It's quite different than this park. It's a lot of old cars and things around, but, you know, it's home. <laughs> 
No, he's not saying that. He's saying, actually, pick up your stuff and move in to the place I've created for you. It is my love. It's your new home. Make it your residence. Make it the place you go to sleep in every night and wake up in every morning. My love for you. The same love the Father has for me. It's a special place. You have a special invitation. So that's the first thing I would like to actually have us consider. See, these words take us beyond just knowing about God's love, knowing John 3.16, or knowing some verses. And they say, no, no, this is actually a lifestyle change. This is a question. Okay, for us sitting here today, Jesus, how do I actually make this move? How, how do I actually move in? How do I, in practical terms, make your love my home? This is not just like a little teaching or a little message or a little sermon, to use words that were familiar. No, no. How, how do I actually do this? I mean, if I take that seriously, do you mean this? How do I do it? The question is answered right there in the words that follow. He anticipates it. If you obey my commands, you will make my love your home. Oh, if you obey my commands. Now, I want to look at that a little bit closer. If you obey my commands. The word if. The word if is a conditional particle. It can be translated a couple of ways, mainly if or when. If or when. Both of them have conditionality to them. But we, we could say it like this. When you obey my commands. When you do. That would be totally accurate. It would be when you obey my commands. You will make my love your home. But I want to look at another word. It's the word obey. If you obey. What does it mean to obey? Um, the word obey literally translated. Uh, Tereo would mean to guard. It's the most accurate translation, to guard. But it's a specific kind of guarding. It's not, there's many different Greek words for guard, but the one he uses here, tereo, it means to guard something. You know, for example, uh, they could have guards out front here for some reason to keep anyone from coming in. Or they could have guards at the door to keep us from going out. You know, guards, but that would be a different word. This word tereo means to guard by never letting something out of your sight. <laughs> and never letting it out of your sight. That's the guard, specifically, that he's talking about. When you guard my commands, never letting them out of your sight, you will make my love your home. Why do you guard something like that? You guard it because it's valuable, it's precious, it's maybe irreplaceable. Uh, its loss would be catastrophic. You don't want to, some of us feel that way about our, our cell phones. Uh, you know, so when you're in the airport, you know, you don't like leave it sitting on the counter and go talk to other people and then come back 15 minutes later, you know. You literally don't. <laughs> oh, okay, I get it. Some of you have done it. Um, join the club. Uh, but you literally don't let it out of your sight. You don't. You guard it. 
And how much more this? He says, if you, when you guard my commands, you will, when, when you guard my commands, never letting them out of your sight, you will make my love your home. Just as I have guarded my Father's commandments and I make His love my home. Okay. Let's keep going just for a little bit here. Question. So Jesus, what are your commands? What are you talking about here? What am I to never let out of my sight? What are you asking me to guard? Out of sight, out of mind. You remember the Old Testament? He said, I want you to write my laws on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. I want you, in Proverbs it says, I want you to write them on the tablets of your heart. Write my laws on the tablets of your heart. Why would that? So they would never be out of sight. So you would see them every time you passed by. Uh, in this, when the new covenant was promised through Jeremiah chapter 31, uh, he says, I will write my laws on your heart. It's like, remember, it's kind of the shift is from you shall to I will uh, when you move into the new covenant. It's like that God has taken such an active role in this, but he knows that out of sight is out of mind. So he says, my command is this. That's his next words. My command is this. I want to make it clear. I know I'm asking you to do something. I've made this invitation. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. This is my command. I'm owning this. So now we understand what he's asking us to guard, to never let out of our sight. Jesus, as you have loved us, how did you love us? I, I want us to contemplate that just for a second. It's a, it's a good question. So how did you love us? It, notice that he's not primarily saying, what did you do to love us? Because we could say, well, he loved us. What he did was he left heaven. He came to earth. He was born among us, grew up, taught us, worked miracles, fed the multitudes, died on the cross, shed his blood, was buried, broke the power of death. He, that's what he did. The question is not, what did you do, but how did you do what you did? Do you see the difference? Because that's, that's what a lot of us really need. It's not, what do I need to do, but, but how do I need to do what I need to do? It is the power of his love. It's love that does this. How do you do this? It's the power of love. It's as the Father has loved me. That's how I did it. That's how I did it. It's his love for me. That's how we are going to do this also. The love that the Father has poured out through the Son and by the Holy Spirit into our life. That is what is going to empower us to do the deeds of love that he calls us to love. As the Father has loved me, that's how I've loved you. That's a part of the answer. Remember, before Jesus ever fed the multitudes, worked a miracle, certainly before he went to the cross, he heard the Father say, you're my son, I love you, I'm pleased with you. And you know what? Jesus never forgot it. He said, my Father loves me. <laughs> Shows me everything he does. He's going to show me more stuff. 
I'll share it with you. I mean, he was really into the Father's love for him. It was like a big deal. On the Mount of Transfiguration, what, what does the Father say? You know, he sees this incredible moment, this glory, all this. The Father speaks. My son, I love. Listen to him. Listen to him. Peter was kind of planning to build three tabernacles, three tents up there. One for Moses and one for Elijah. But it turned out the father wanted to say, Peter, listen to my son. This is the fulfillment of what the law and the prophets have been saying. It's my son here. Listen to him. So compatible with the word God gave to Moses and the children of Israel. I'll raise up for you a prophet like unto you. You must listen to him, as Moses said. And so we, we need to hear, as the fathers loved me, that's how I've loved you. There's a second part to how this love happens. And I, this is a practical element. I just want to spend a little bit of time in this. It goes back to that first opening words. Where Jesus, as he prepares to wash their feet, he says, Greater love has no one than this, that he tethemate his life for his friends. That he lay aside his life for his friends. Now that word tethemate can be translated lay up, lay down, or lay aside. Now most of the time, uh, we translate it, well, in the first part of this series, the 13th chapter, the beginning, Jesus laid aside, he tethemate his outer clothing. Now he's saying, greater love is known than this, that he tethemate his life for his friends. It could be lay up, lay down, or lay aside. Most of the time, we would translate it lay down our lives. Uh, the interesting thing about that is that uh, while Jesus had laid aside his outer garments, now I'm suggesting we may want to say no greater love has anyone than this that he lay aside his life for his friends. And I want to tell you why. I'm going to tell you, explain why. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, the other John 3, 16. So this is how we know what love is. Jesus tethemate his life for us. He laid down his life for us. What does that mean? What is your mind saying when you hear this? He, he died. died for us. And he did. He did. But now you finish the verse. We ought to die for our brothers and sisters. We ought to lay down. That's what our mind says. But something inside of us goes, Ah, oh, I don't know. Wow, that maybe someday. Maybe someday I will do what Jesus did. He laid down his life. I might lay down my life. I might die for someone. But when we look at it that way, I'm going to tell you what happens. You will miss a thousand opportunities to lay aside your life to love the people around you. So I'm encouraging you to think of it. You see, I think long before Jesus went to the cross, he laid aside his life. He didn't count equality with the Father something to be grasped at. He laid it aside. He said, I'll go. I'll do it. I'll be obedient. 
It was a path that had many pieces to it, but it led him to the cross and ultimately to die for our sins and be raised from the dead on the third day. It, it was, that was an ultimate thing. But we know what love is because Jesus laid aside his life for us. I'd like you to think of it in that way. You can translate whatever you'd like. We ought to lay aside our lives for our brothers and sisters. I think that's why I would like to propose that we do that, say it that way today. Jesus in John 10 had said, I lay aside my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it aside in my own accord. I have authority to lay it aside and authority to take it up again. The word authority there means you have the privilege, the freedom, the power, the liberty of doing as you please. Jesus said, I can lay it aside. Now, ultimately, the ultimate fulfillment of that was when he died on the cross and was raised again. But what I would maintain is this oscillatory cycle happens over and over again in the life of every believer. And you never love someone else without laying aside your life. It always involves the sacrifice of laying aside your life. Now, it doesn't mean your life's over. It doesn't mean that you've made the ultimate sacrifice. What it means is you lay aside your life and you'll probably take it back up again and go on living. You'll probably do it. And some of you here use the illustration. We have a little office in my house. And, and um, um, Patty's, you know, there. And uh, it's nice to have Patty on this trip. It's exciting. But um, she, she'll totally know what this is about because... Uh, there are times she's coming up, working away in the office, and she'll go, um, she'll go, honey, could you could you go upstairs and and go into storage and get the red suitcase out of storage, the one kind of in the back, it's over on the side there. Could you could you get that for me? <sighs> um, honey, I'm I'm actually I'm in the middle of something right now. Uh, um, so she's standing there. <laughs> I I really need it now uh, because I can't do what I need to do next without the suitcase. Can it can it wait till after lunch? After we have lunch, then let me do it. Well, um, hmm, I don't know what I'm going to do in the meantime. Uh, and so then finally, you know, you go like, okay. And so you slam your pencil down, you click that, and you go like, okay, which suit was it? Which case? Which, which one? This one? Will the other one do? This is easier to get to, you know. Uh, and um, so you get it. Finally, she is satisfied. She's got her red suitcase. Now I'm going to sit back down to go to work. Only I can't pick up my thoughts. I can't remember where I was. I'm actually frustrated. I'm angry. What is that? Is that called laying aside our life? Or what? No, I think it's called blowing it. <laughs> it's, you know, what, it's like what I've learned is this. You know what? When I say to my wife, honey, I can't do it now. I'm in the middle of something. Do you realize I am always in the middle of something? <laughs> so what I'm learning 
is what Jesus did. He tethemated his life. He tethemated his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. And he did what was needed in the moment. Laid aside his life. And I think for us, that's why I would like to look at it this way. I'm, I'm learning. Believe me, I'm not perfect. And there are times you need to legitimately say, you know what, honey, I can't do it right now. I, you know, it's not, you know, she has the right to say that to me and I to her. And that's legitimate. But honestly, a lot of times when I did that, it is not that I couldn't have stopped doing what I was doing. I could have stopped and done it right then. And I'm learning more and more to go, honey, yes, let me do it now. And, you know, it just takes like two minutes. And happy wife. And I'm back doing what I was doing. And I'm not angry. And I'm not slapping the desk. Uh, because just learning to do it, it's not that big of a deal. It's am I willing to love the way he loved? To lay aside my life. I can take it up again in a few minutes. But to lay aside my life. You know, it makes a huge difference. It makes a huge difference in the store. It makes a difference in the way we drive. It makes a difference in the way we live with our husbands and wives. It, uh, it makes difference in so many areas. When we just learn that simple thing, Jesus laid aside his outer clothing. That's how we love. It's how we love. You are my friends. If you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. Associates. The word friends, if you look it up in Thayer's or Strong's or whatever, it'll say associates too. So like friends, it's people that are closely related to you. So I'd like to do two things with that passage. You know, we don't quite know in the Greek where the periods are and the uh, all that. You know, we, we've kind of filled those in. I'd like to make a little change. Look at John 4, 15, 14, 15. You are my friends. If you do what I command. Kind of what that always, always left me go like, am I your friend or am I not your friend? You know, am I... Um, I'm not sure here. You call me a friend a sentence later, but it sounds like maybe I am and maybe I'm not. So here's what I'm going to propose. I, I like to render it like this. You are my friends, exclamation point. I like to change that conditional particle from if to when. So here's what it reads like. You are my friends. When you do what I command, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. Does that make sense? Very good. Yeah. I think it kind of makes it... It all makes it come together. It's not like, why do you call me friends a sentence later, but you're not sure now? You know, it, it just... So I think that's a piece of this thing. Instead, I've called you friends. I'm just pointing out a couple things. What's the master's business? Um... Poyeo, uh, to make, to do, to work. Um, the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does, all his work, all his poyo. So, I would say, I would translate that more like this. When you do what I command, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends associates for everything I've learned from my father I've made known to you okay you didn't choose me I chose you and appointed you 
I just might say, Father's business, I let, I, Paul's definition helps me at this point. 2 Corinthians 5. What was God doing? He was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. That was his business. He's committed to us this message of reconciliation. We're Christ ambassadors. God's making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. Well, I just want to close um, uh, by reading just through what we started with in the beginning. I'm going to start in John 15:9. I'm going to read it the way I think it could accurately be translated as a possibility. Here's what I would say. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now make my love your home. When you guard my commands, never letting them out of your sight, you will make my love your home. Just as I've guarded my Father's commands and make his love my home. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, that he lay aside his life for his friends. You are my friends. When you do what I command, I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends, associates, for everything I've learned from my Father, I've made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. This is my command. Love each other. Oh, what an incredible. Well, all of a sudden it just comes alive to me. It's like, oh my goodness. This is what abiding looks like. I think I've seen a bit of it. It's his invitation. Oh, there's two bonuses I left out. He says in verse 16, then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Yeah. Oh. Oh. oh, that's a pretty good bonus for intercessors. <laughs> that's a good place to get that one. You know, when you begin to see what the Father's doing, you begin to pray the prayers that the Father's answering. You begin to pray them. You know the business. You're not just a servant. You're not just taking this little bolt and putting it through that little hole and putting the next one. Someone comes up and says, what are you making? Say, I have no idea what I'm making. I just move this screw into that hole. That's a servant. He's called us associates. I've, I've shown you what the Father's doing. Okay. Oh, there's one more bonus. Verse 11, I've told you this so my joy may be in you and that your joy may be maximized. Now, 10 days is about mourning. But I'm going to tell you, while we mourn for those things that are, that, are, that are lost and that we need back and that we desperately are calling out to God for, the Christian life and living a life of love is the most joyous way you can possibly live on planet Earth. I'm telling you this so my joy can be in you and your joy can be complete, maximized. So friends, I, I guess I just I just want us to respond and I, I want to pray blessing. I'm going to ask my wife and Derek to come on up here. Anybody else from California here? Anybody living in California right now? Anybody else? Okay, so we're the California people. 
this amazing invitation. Now make your love my home. Um, this this really came home to me when uh, our son, after I had my burnout breakdown, our son said, um, "Dad, I'd like to I'd like to have a house that has room for you and Mom to live in." He wanted to see that we were taken care of. I didn't know what other I was what I was going to be able to do. Uh, it was just one of those circumstances and. So he said, I'd like you to be able to live on the same property that we are. And it was 10 years. We looked at places, looked at houses, looked at different places. And, and it's embarrassing now to me because I drive, we live in that same city. And I, uh, um, well, I, I've got to tell you that uh, five years ago, it's almost six years ago now, my son said, Dad, can I take you for a ride? And he uh, took me for a ride and we stopped at a house and had a for sale sign in front of it. And he walked me down a driveway, a 35-foot driveway, that went to a six-foot fence and then went nowhere. Now, the house that was there in the front, 1950s house, it, uh, um, it had its own driveway and its own garage. But this driveway just went 35 feet and stopped. And he took me to the fence that was there and looked over it and pointed to the back corner of that lot. And he said, Dad, what do you think about back there? It was like somebody punched me in the stomach. I mean, it was nothing. It looked terrible back there. It was little sheds, you know, funny little sheds and fences growing up with weeds and all that stuff. There's nothing back there. My son built us a house. It's a beautiful house. <laughs> we wake up in the morning. I wake up and it's just like, I look at it and go, like, God, you treat me so much better than I would treat myself. It's such a beautiful place. It's small, but it's absolutely beautiful. And we have a swimming pool in our front yard. It was there. I couldn't see it from that place on the fence. But little did I realize that this is a beautiful third of an acre. And there was a day that the house was done. And we had to change our address and move in. <laughs> we got to change our address and move in. You know, I feel like that's kind of where we are as believers because that's when God began to deal with me more about this. And he said, I have a new address for you. It's my love. You can live in it. You can move in. You can make it home. You can wake up there every morning, go to sleep there every night. And it's, it's, I drive by today in the city. I drive by places almost every day Sometimes little little houses that I thought maybe we could buy that house and move it in, or maybe that trailer park would have a spot for us, or maybe we could we maybe this place we could adapt that little building in the back and make it so we could live there. You know what's so humbling? God has treated us infinitely better than I would have treated myself. And that's what I feel like this address is for us. As the Father has loved me, that's how I've loved you. Now make my love your home. Oh, really? Yeah. You're going to have to do a change of address. <laughs> but it's doable. Okay? I'd like us to just stand together. Oh, uh, <laughs> I'm going to just...
say, I'm doing the change of address. <laughs> I think I'm seeing something. I think I'm seeing something. I, this is where I want to live. And so let's just thank him right now for that amazing invitation. So let's just lift our voices in a chorus. Oh, Father, thank you.